and welcome to Good Darts, the podcast that's all about darts, although the quality cannot be guaranteed. Brought to you by our friends at Low Six. On the show today, you'll hear from a 13-time PDC title winner who's averaging 100 for the year. We look ahead to the world match play where we're making our picks for who wins in the opening a couple of days of the tournament. You can play against us for free as well and win actual money, but we're also looking back on the summer series. Now, normally, I'll be introducing Wayne Mardle here. Wayne sadly cannot be with us. So, at the very last minute, I've brought in a ringer, and it's not a bad one to have former players champion a multiple PDC title winner is Paul Nicholson. Paul, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, especially at short notice. You're absolutely welcome. I wouldn't have done it for anybody else but you. Ah, thank you very much. And that's after you spent several days with me in a bubble in Milton Keynes for the Summer Series. What were your impressions of the Summer Series? Because personally... I quite I don't like not being able to leave and not getting any fresh air or sunlight for a week, but I do quite like the idea of lots of pro tour events back to back like that, particularly going up to a major tournament. I think that idea of uh, putting the events into that uh, big bunch before a huge event like the match player has become a very popular idea in a very short space of time. I think it is a concept that will come back, uh, but as far as the the bubble and uh, the MK situation is concerned. I'm like you. I, I didn't like the idea that I couldn't go outside. But at the same time, the way that it was managed, they did as well as they possibly could, the PDC, I think, did a fabulous job. The main thing I was surprised about, to be honest, and yeah, granted, they it, it was a, a massive effort to make things happen. But the main thing I was surprised about, that the players seemed totally ready for it. In the the standard was much better than I thought. I thought it would take longer for them to get back to where they were at the start of the year. I mean, we had a record-breaking average on on day four, the one that James Wade won. And that was even when MVG went out early in the tournament. I mean, it was it was ridiculous numbers some of these guys were chucking. I just didn't think it was going to happen. Were you surprised by that? Uh, absolutely. I thought we'd see some proper rusty stuff on the Wednesday. Mm. And I was proved very wrong very quickly when... Uh, the likes of Ian White were coming up with 113 averages, and then the day later, you know, Gowan Price was coming up with 116. You think these guys have prepped really well, but I've always said with the elite guys in the 128 that it's a mix of uh, readiness, so all of the practice and all of the equipment searching and all that kind of stuff. You get that right, as well as uh, some freshness, and they obviously have had a nice mix of that to bring to the Summer Series. And I think a lot of players got it right, but there were some players who got it wrong. Yeah, I mean, I was also quite impressed at how some have been looking after themselves. I mean, the likes of Mark McGinney must have shifted stones of weight. Michael Smith, we were talking about it in the pod last week. As somebody who's gone completely the other way, I'm quite impressed with that. And it doesn't seem to have affected him. Like, you know, I remember, Everybody remembers Phil Taylor turned up at the UK Open after he shifted about two, three stone in quick succession, and it completely threw his balance off. He couldn't throw properly. But you're a big advocate of fitness in darts, so you probably think that's a, a massive positive for some of these guys. It is. It's a great step in the right direction. But now that we're going back to action, I want these guys to maintain it. This is more difficult than what they've already done. It's a bit like going on a diet and you crash down a few stone and you think that's great. It's the maintenance project going forward that never really stops. That's what's difficult. When you go to a, a pro tour or to a Euro tour, you've got to try and find the healthy food. You've got to take the healthy snacks. You've got to be active at a tournament as well. So you've got to do plenty of walk and you've got to do exercises You know, the, the night before you play. If they can maintain what they're doing, the likes of McGinney, Michael Smith, Adrian Lewis, 
and some others. I think we're going to be changing the image of this game for the better, and it's 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 going to be a long process to do that, but we're stepping in the right direction. No, well, look, changing the image of the game is is part of it. Is something Michael Smith was talking about when we interviewed him on the podcast uh, last week. Uh, we have got a, a guest, Ian White, who's practice partner of Michael Smith. We'll be speaking to in a bit. Um, but before we get to that. Um, we've had other big news. The Premier League's back. We're back in Milton Keynes. So there's six days there before the Premier League roadshow resumes. The thing that really surprised me, though, was the Premier League next year. Because playoff night in Berlin in Germany. How big a statement is that? I think from a commercial perspective, the PDC may have just turned their genius card over. Because they have experience of putting a Premier League on in Berlin. And they may have just had a sample of... Where could we take it and have it as a bigger commercial uh, whiz bang project? And whiz I just bang feeling... project is that a t- is that a marketing term? Um, uh, probably not. No, um, okay, yeah. Go on, you were the saying. The marbles going around in my head. Bring these kinds of things up in, in a city like Berlin, Dan, that we've both been to. You know how much um, business goes on there, and how much uh, corporate hospitality is going on, and you just get the feeling that the uh, German public may be ready to have something this big, and you get the feeling that if it's in Berlin, it's not just going to be two semi-finals and a final. This is going to be a one-day full festival. Things are going to be added to this, in my opinion. But if you're going to put it outside of London and to have it outside of the United Kingdom for the first time, this is a statement that the PDC want to take the Premier League possibly a little further afield. Well, look, that that is an exciting prospect and it may be something that happens. Now, Wayne and I made our, our team picks. We did it old school playground rules where we picked a player each. You couldn't duplicate the player. You had a team of five going into the summer series. I let Wayne pick first. And to be honest, I disappointed myself because I didn't go for hipster picks that I would normally go for. I ended up with like Michael Van Gerwen in my team. Uh, ultimately, Wayne's not here for me to just completely barrack because I beat him. And I want this on record. I beat him. His team got 40 points, even though he had Peter Wright, who won the whole summer series. Uh, but Gabriel Clemens and Christoph Ratajski, Nathan Aspinall, Gerwin Price and Michael Van Gerwen. That's taken it for me. So when Wayne does return to the podcast, I will be pointing that out to him in great detail. But, Paul, you're going to hang around because um, I want you to make your predictions for the first round of the match play. The first couple of days the match play will do. Plus, I want to get your thoughts on this man. He is a pro tour monster. Nobody picked him. Wayne didn't pick him. I didn't pick him uh, over the summer series. We were idiots not to because he would have picked up uh, eight points on our scoring system, a quarter final uh, and a semi final. We are idiots. We knew that. But this man is an absolute title hoover. It's the Diamond Ian White. These are the questions that you should be asking. Ian White, thank you very much for joining us on Good Darts. Great to have you on. Um, Look, I'm going to talk to you about your career, going to talk to you about the match play, going to talk to you about all things darts. But what I want to start talking to you about is badges. Tell me about badges, Ian. You've got loads of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it was, I was, um, you know, putting a bit of food out for the fox and that, and all of a sudden we had a badger. And uh, I thought, oh, wow, got a nice badger coming here. And I thought, well, we'll put a bit more food out and see how we go up through lockdown. Because I, I haven't seen me see, but while we were playing darts and we're away all the time, you know, you don't see all this wildlife that you, you know, that's around your house and that. But during lockdown, you seen, you know, a lot of people seem to have seen more and more, you know, wildlife. So, um, not where I live, mate. Night. I live in the middle of Birmingham. The only wildlife I see is prostitutes walking up and down my street. That's it. I don't have badgers and foxes and anything. Um, uh, oh, that's yeah. quite impressive, though. I like the videos. 
Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, the other night we put some food out and there was five turned up. I thought, wow, I've never seen five before. So, you know, I don't know how many's out there. <laughs> but I think they're telling the friends to come and have a party. Well, you might get a rhino by the end of it, to be honest, Ian, by the sound of foxes and five badges. Oh, look, I want to take you back, right? We're going to go back through the mists of time. I can put sound effects on this and everything. Oh, lovely. Now, 1997, you go all the way to the final of the News of the World at Villa Park, not far from where I am. What were you doing at the time? What was your life like at the time? Darts was obviously a big thing for you, but were were you working at the time? What? How did darts fit into your life then? Yeah, at the time I was um, I was working on uh, roofing. I was doing some roofing and um, I was working on the Reebok Stadium for Bolton Wanderers. Oh right, um, okay. That was get, that was get that was getting built. So I was working on the roof on there. Um, we all used to play darts on a Thursday night in the local league in Runcord, where I was from, and and other lads that I, I worked with, they were all dart players as well. And when I qualified for it, going through all the you know the little pub scenes and stuff like that, um, you know I should have been knocked out earlier on by a young lad in Hong Kong. But I got through and uh, got to Aston Villa Leisure Centre, and I only went for the uh, two hundred and fifty pound. I thought, well, that'll pay for me living room carpet. That's the situation I was in because I was working twelve-hour shifts. Oh, well, working on the roofing and getting, you know, cash in and stuff like that. And, you know, didn't have a lot of money. So the £250 was like, wow, I can get a living room carpet now. So that was, when I went there, that was me, me aim, just to get the £250. So darts was just a little hobby. And if you earned a few quid off it on the side, then that was a bonus. I mean, were you making much money playing? I mean, presumably you're playing county stuff and, and things like that. And you, you've been in some incredible darts teams you've had some incredible teammates haven't you over the years oh yeah you know the counties you know they're brilliant from Stockport lads you know they were the best at the time with the double fit and Phil Kirch or the O'Shea you know um, they were they were unbelievable and then you know I was from Runcord and there was me Tommy Humphries Jimmy Lawton there was it there was there were older generation the lads that I played with as well um, you know so the teams that we were in for Cheshire which was unbelievable. Uh, and, yeah, I was making a, a few quid here and there. You know, for £100, I was, you know, I was over the moon, and, you know, it was great. Um, but when I started working shift work and playing tournaments, you know, I was, I was coming off nights and going straight to county or going straight to competitions and then going back on nights. You know, it was so hard. I, one night, I didn't get in until 10 at night when I should have been in at 6. Um, and I was I was playing the final of the Welsh Classic against Mark Webster. <laughs> <laughs> I had never enough with months' wages, <laughs> you know, for for playing darts that, that night. Um, but I, I did get a bollocking when I got in. <laughs> <laughs> Look, ninety-seven. You have that incredible run at the News of the World. Then it takes the best part of a decade before we see you regularly competing in the BDO stuff. How was darts a part of your life at that point then? Yeah, when I come out of the news of the world, you know, it was all hyped up for you and, you know, that everyone in my local league was so made up for me. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, just after that, I got, I got a job uh, in a factory where I stayed for 12, 13 years there. And I was a temporary worker. And I thought, well, you know, my job's more important. So I've got this job now. I want to try and get a full-time job. And my dad was there. My uncles were there. It was like a big family business type thing. So, 
But I still carried on playing darts, but everyone seemed to beat me. The hype, the pressure, no one realises, you know, that when you become, like, you know, quite high up in the, you know, I think it was number four in the earnings that year, just by that one tournament, and everyone was saying how good I was, and the pressure hit me. And I've never felt it before. And I, I did give up darts for two years. I had to back in because I just couldn't handle leaving the local league. And then it was two years later, I started back in the local league in Widnes, where I was living at the time. And I started playing there. And it was 301 and stuff like that. And it was just a bit of fun. And then I started coming back and got picked for England. So, you know, it was, it was probably the best thing I did was taking a couple of years out. So literally, you took a couple of years just because you couldn't handle that that weight of expectation, that pressure. Then the question is, how in God's name have you gone to the PDC and started getting success pretty much straight away? I mean, you're making semi-finals and finals almost as soon as you join the PDC, and it hasn't stopped since since then, sort of 2011 when you started doing it. Yeah, I think I think the '97 was the biggest thing I ever did. You see, so. You know, at the end of the day, it, it, it did hit me. But now, being an older person, a generation, getting used to it, you know, you, you've been around a long time um, and you get used to it now. And I think that's that's what's helped me over the years. You know, my darts is probably 10 times better than what it was then. You know, I'm playing brilliant darts at the moment. And it's just, it's just the expectation that people, you know, you still get it now, don't Dan, you know, with the... You know, Ian White should be doing this, Ian White should be doing that. You still get it, but you, you, you're more prepared for it now than when I was in 97, you know. So, 97, it just, just, just hit me, and the amount of people that were just beating me locally, and they just crippled me, um, and that's what happened. So, But now, we're back, we're back on form, and we're, we, just, we just handle it better. Does it help just experience, and particularly the friendships that you've had along the way. You are, for my money, I've said this before, the best practice partner the game of darts has ever seen. You practice with Taylor, he won loads of things. You practice with Jamie Caven, he won loads of titles. You practice with A.D. Lewis, he won two world titles. And nowadays you practice with Michael Smith and he picks up stuff all over the place and has very nearly picked up the World Championship, the match play in the Premier League. Is that just, do you learn from these guys as well as, as helping them? Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they push you, they give you advice. Um, probably I'm giving the advice to Michael more than, you know, like when I was back this with Phil, he was giving me advice and Adrian was giving it me as well. So you learn off them people. Um, but like now with Michael, you know, I'm I'm trying to help him. I'm, I'm helping myself at the same time. You know, he, this lad's, you know, in the top 10, he's pushing me and I'm pushing him. And I think it's a dedication of wanting to get out and practice. You know, I want to get out and practice all the time, but during lockdown, that was a total different scenario. It's, um, I just didn't want to pick a dart up um, all the way through it. And it's, I know it's wrong, you know, I've got a good job and everything, but I just couldn't find the dedication to do it. But now we've started again, and I've got to get up and go to Michael's, and I get up and I travel an hour to St. Helens, and an hour back, I want to do it. And I make myself do it. I'd, it was the same with Jamie Caven. You know, he used to travel to Derby, go and practice with him. He, he came to mind now and then, but all the time it was a case of, like, I'm using it as a job and getting up and going out. And that's what I, um, I find works for me. And, you know, and I think with Phil at the beginning, 
he wanted to practice Saturday and Sundays as well. You know what I mean? It was every day. And I think that's what started me off and thought, right, yeah, you've got to do it. You've got the best job in the world. You you can earn some good money out of it. And you're never going to earn anything else, you know, in the normal job, the same as what you're getting now. So, you know, it's a case of, right, let's put the effort in. And, and that's, that's what I do. I put the effort in and I want to do it. Have you? Do you feel like you've been overshadowed all the way through your career, Ian? Because I've just listed those practice partners you've had there. Obviously, Phil Taylor's going to overshadow everybody. A.D. Lewis, two world titles. But even Jamie Cave, when you practice with him, he was the guy who was picking up probably more titles. You've got more titles than Michael Smith right now, and yet Michael Smith is always the guy who's mentioned as, oh, future world champion, this, that and the other. Yeah, you know, I, I, get, I get it all the time at the moment. And, and I've got used to it over the last year or two, maybe... I don't know, it's the age bit, it's the, you know, I'm doing good darts. You've, you've known, you know, last year winning them tournaments, beating Van Gerwen in the final, you know, I beat loads of them and I just get overlooked. Um, I think it's probably, personally, I think it's my age and, you know, what I don't do on stage and stuff like that. And I think that's what goes against me, you know, and he's, you know, Michael Smith's a young lad, he's got plenty of time in front of him and he's, you know, a lot of people are starting to like him, you know, so... I think he's got a good future and hopefully he can become a world champion. I'd love to be world champion myself, but, you know, we've just got to keep going and fingers crossed, you know, the darts that I'm playing will get me there. Well, look, OK, and, until the start of the summer series, you were top of the averages list from the start of this year. You've always been around that top ten. You hoover at Pro Tour titles. I asked Wayne and said, look, what, what, I'm talking to Ian White. What do you want me to ask him? And he said, look... Does Ian know that he'd be top six all day long if he performed in big tournaments like he does on the Pro Tour? There is absolutely no doubt. His throw, his ability, everything else, he is top six all day long. Do you feel like that as a player, Ian? Because we've seen you get in the top eight just about because you've been so consistent on the floor and winning titles. But obviously, it's those big stages, the big tournaments, where is it just pressure? Is that the only thing that's held you back? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was pressure. You know, I enjoyed being up there. Uh, you know, I love it. I just don't think after time, you know, I call it luck. I don't know what people else want to call it, but I I think I don't get a lot of luck up there and than what I do on the floor. You know, because when people play on the floor, it's like, oh my God, I bet he might or whatever. So he does well on the floor, whatever. But when I'm on the stage, whether they step up a gear, um, whether they do it, I, I don't know what the difference is. But I'm still hitting hundred averages and losing, mm. you know. And uh, you know, it, it might be like a last start or something like the Gerwin Price bit. We always come back to it. But you know, double ten to it to win the match, he hit double fifteen. He takes hundred and sixty out. Well, that's, you can't say that was a no. It was a good finish for him, but I don't think it'd ever happen again. <laughs> you know, I just think it was just hard luck at the time. Um, Devin Peterson last year in the world, you know, I was hundred and odd average. Cruising, and all of a sudden he hits, I don't know what it was, 120 odd average in the last two sets or something like that. And you think, well, where's he got that from? You know, he hasn't had that all year. He proved it the other day. He did play well um, in, in the uh, series. But, you know, it's just I just think now and then a bit of luck. Well, luck can turn, can't it? And we'll see you in the match play. You've got Joe Cullen again. Now... <laughs> you absolutely annihilated Joe in the match play when you played him. He didn't get a leg against you. That is that a relief when that draw happens, or is it a case of, 
oh well that, that's probably not going to happen again I'm, I'm a little bit wary about what he's what he's going to do on a plane yeah I don't think it'll happen again um, you know what I mean Jules is a top player he just had a bad day that day at the, in the match play and I played quite well well, how do you feel about your chances at the match play then? Because, look, I've been one of your biggest cheerleaders for ages. It was brilliant seeing you make your first major semi-final in the PDC at the back end of last year, the Players' Championship finals. But I genuinely believe that you could easily win a big one and maybe the Worlds or even the match play. But to do that, you're going to have to beat Joe Cullen. You might have to beat Nathan Aspinall. Then it might be AD or Gerwin Price uh, and possibly Peter Wright and Van Gerwen after that. We don't know. I mean... Do you do you genuinely believe, Ian, that in long format games, that you can do those back to back to back to back to back, particularly when we get to the latter stages, and you're in a situation where oh, look, I've never been here before, this is all new to me, and somebody like Van Gerwen or Peter Wright, well, they've been there so many times, and that experience has got to help. Of course it has. Um, you know, you know, I can beat any of them players. You know, I've done it over the years. I've done, you know. Over the longer format, yeah, it might might be slightly different. But I played Van Gerwen in the match play, and I was, I think it was around about 15 or something like that, or 14 or when he beat me 16, 14 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's I, I I can do it. You know, it's not an issue of doing it. I do think these Premier League lads that are up there all the time do have an advantage. You know, they're playing the TV tournaments where we get like a couple of weeks off, and they're up on that stage all the time. These Europeans that we play. It's massive to me because it's the stage set up and everything that it's it's my experience of getting up there. And yeah, I'm an older generation. I've been around a long time, and everyone says you know you should be experienced now. Each one's different. Everyone you play in different. This one's going to be different um, this time with no crowd. You know, so it's, so it could benefit me. It could not benefit me. We don't know the until we get up there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think. I need to get to them latter stages. I think Peter Wright said it at a weekend. He said, Ian, you get to the latter stages of these uh, major tournaments. He's like, and we won't see you where you are. You'll be up, right up, top six, like you said, top five. He said, you just need a couple of runs in a few tournaments and you're away. And I said, well, that's, that's, what, that's, that's our plan anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it could well happen in Milton Keynes. £150,000 in prize money to the winner of the World Match Play. How do you celebrate if you win it? New carpet? You copy the old stoke for that. <laughs> I know, yeah. I just have the house done, so I don't think I need anything. Um, I don't know what I'd do. One uh, of the match play, you'd have to stay the extra night or whatever in the hotel and um, probably have a couple of cups of tea or something like that because I'm, you know, take a couple of pictures. Just Semi naked on a staircase like Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get myself a fitness instructor or something. <laughs> so I can get a body like him or something like that. Eh? <laughs> Diamond Ian White there, a man who just picks up titles left, right and centre on the Pro Tour, on the European Tour now, but still searching for that first big one on the tally. Paul, how good is he? How good is he? He is uh, quite astounding in my opinion. He is someone who's played at a very high level for over 20 years and through choice he has not played at the highest level for 20 years, but in the last 10, in my opinion, he is spent a lot of time under the radar but now he is firmly in the limelight and we expect from him 
from a technique perspective, there's not many better players out there. He has a great focus when he looks at the board. He's got a great stance. His follow-through is exemplary. He is someone that people should be copying. And I think it's just peculiar that he hasn't had any bigger runs in big TV majors. Well, look, look you're a guy who's won a major title, Paul, and you seem to relish being on the big stages. Often that was where we'd see some of your best stuff. It's not been like that with Ian White. I mean, if you get drawn against Ian White in a pro tour, he said it himself in the interview, people are scared of him. People are worried about Ian White. They know he's going to be chucking 104 averages all day, potentially. But in a big TV tournament, I mean, were there players, when you were when you were mixing it in the, in the biggest tournaments in the world, were there players where you were thinking, yeah, on telly, I'm go- I've got the beating of him because I can deal with that much better? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I remember playing against Alan Tabern in the World Championship second round. And at the time, I was, uh, I'd was i just come through a first round match, which was really sticky against Mensah Sulevich. And mm. I thought, I've got that one under my belt now. And the draw I got was Tabern. And at the time, he wasn't playing his best stuff, but he was uh, the kind of person who I thought I could get into. I thought, if I could just be me, I would take care of business. And I did, four sets to nil. But there were players of that sort of ilk that you just thought they were a tiny bit more vulnerable if you brought a really animated, aggressive type of game. And, uh, you know, someone who I genuinely respect as a friend and as a player is Jamie Caven. And Mm. the talent that he has is borderline immeasurable. Uh, But on stage, for some reason, it just did not seem to come out. He was unbelievable on the floor Mm. and tremendous in Europe. But it just didn't seem to happen on the stage. And you just thought that maybe he was someone you could go after. And it was the same with someone like Dennis Ovens, who, aside from Bolton, didn't yeah. really fulfil his promise on the stage. What about Mark Walsh? Um, Mark Walsh, top 10 player for ages. Everybody reckoned Walshy was one of the best players on the planet. And the TV record he had, nowhere near what it should have been. Absolutely. Uh, I, I hold Mark Walsh in huge esteem not just because he's such a lovely guy, but his talent, it was there. It was waiting to pop. And I do liken Mark Walsh to Ian White talent-wise. I think they're on a very similar level, but maybe Ian has taken it further. But they have very similar temperaments. And you just get the feeling that something needs to be let out. When Mark started to let it out a little bit in the Grand Slam and he made the semi-finals, you just get the feeling that he was keeping something inside for too long. He just needed to let it out. And I think that's the case for Ian. We saw him play against Kim Hybrecht in the World Championships and he started to get a bit aggressive and a bit gritty and he came out and he won. And I thought, why aren't we seeing that more often? We need to see that version of Ian White like we're seeing the different version of Chris Dolby on stage. They're very similar players on the floor. They keep themselves to themselves. They do their thing. They're quite quiet. But on the stage, Dolby is finding his stage game early in his career and I think Ian White just needs to let rip oh, surprise surprise Paul Nicholson says the key to being good is to go and be Larry on stage is that is well, that basically I I, <laughs> not Larry I just think he needs to <laughs> puff his chest out a little bit and say I'm Ian White and I'm going to win this and I don't see a body language from Ian that states that I see the talent that is there and he can definitely do it and I really want him to I genuinely want him to win something very, very big, and it could be in this coming week. But I think sometimes you just need to draw a line in the sand and say, right, no more. 
I'm okay. going to do this now, and I'm going to show you. Okay, you you reckon it could be this week? He's got Joe Cullen first round of the match play, but it could be Nathan Aspinall after that. It could be Gerwin Price after that. It could be Peter Wright after that. It could be Michael Van Gerwen. If he beats Cullen, Aspinall, Price, Wright and Van Gerwen in that order, then, I mean, quite frankly, he deserves two match play titles because that looks an absolutely horrific run uh, to the title. But do you, he's, he could do it, couldn't he? Couldn't he? Oh, absolutely. You know, you look at the uh, the stats from the season. You've already mentioned that he's averaging 100 for the year. If he maintains that average on that stage, there's every likelihood he's going to be in the final. And I would love to see him against Gezi Price in the quarters because that would be a clash of styles. Mm. And it may be that game where he could potentially come out of his shell. And we've talked about the, the uh, quarterfinal that they had at the UK Open where Gezi just stole it. And I think there's been a ripple effect from that game going forward for a little while. I just get the feeling that he was caught in headlights a bit because he expected to win that game from that position, as everybody else did. But when Gerwin Price really stole that game, I think it's set Ian back one or two years. And it's taken him a while to recover. OK, well, we'll have more match play chat in a moment. It's all well and good putting the practice in and saying you're ready for a big tournament. But once you're actually up on that stage, it's very different. I'm practicing lovely and I'm feeling good. Cool as a cucumber. I'm dedicated. I'm playing all right at the minute. I do everything by the book. I'm practicing lovely. I'm missing the thing. Lovely. If you do everything right, you can't lose when you go up there. And then you start getting the old bum nip, don't you? Get up there and throw a lot of spanner. Rough as a radish, mate. I actually play a lot of pleb. And that's what plebs get, mate. You sit there and I'm going home. Right, the world match play, it's at a new venue temporarily, we are assuming, of course, it's behind closed doors. So it's going to be very, very different from all the previous match plays. Does that help some players? Does that harm others? What does this mean, Paul Nicholson? Come on, give us some pellets from your punditry Pez dispenser so we can understand what this all means. Well, it does make a difference. If you look at some of the guys who haven't done it on the... Uh, match play stage especially it, it plays into their hands doesn't it and you think about someone like Ricky Evans uh, for example who was fortunate to be in the field he just eked his way into the, the last qualifying spot he played Daryl Gurney 12 months ago at the match play and it didn't work there so change the atmosphere change the the whole uh, experiment of this and possibly he could feel a bit more comfortable playing against uh, Gurney and Milton Keynes that's just one example but you look at some other people who have been successful at uh, the match player, like Rob Cross, for instance, the, the defending champion. Does his opponent have an advantage playing his match player debut, Gabriel Clemens, against Rob in this atmosphere? And I think it probably does. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the, the crowd noise effect is as well, because I think they're going to be piping that in there, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to be piping that in and they're going to have, I think it's going to be some sort of like digital screen with some fans or whatever. I, I, I just think some players are not going to be able to play their natural game. When you talked about going up there on stage and unlocking something, unleashing something, then it's going to be difficult to do with no fans, isn't it? It's going to be like that UK Open where nobody was allowed in to watch. I mean, could you play your natural game there? What happened when, when you were taking Terry Jenkins on and you nearly threw it away from being way, way in front and survived match starts and then won it? When it was like that, had you 
did all the the circumstances, the lack of fans and everything else, did all that just melt away and you were completely unaware of it? Or were you aware of it in every single moment, even at those tense tense parts of the match? Uh, very aware. Uh, I mean, you didn't get a, a great deal of notice when it came to uh, the UK Open in 2018 with that. So it didn't, uh, you didn't get the preparation time, but these guys know that there's going to be no fans there. They can prepare mentally for, for days on end before it even starts. But I think something that I was taught as, at a young age is that darts is a lonely sport because there's nobody up there can help you. But some of the more popular players do have the advantage of, uh, you know, having the fans just give them the odd little whisper in the front row or maybe maybe you can hear something from the VIP area they're not going to have that so if you look at someone like uh, Vincent van der Voort for instance who's immensely popular he's not going to have that and someone like Dave Chisnell's not going to have home advantage in Blackpool with the fans that he would attract from Morecambe so there are small stories in every single game and I think this is going to be a huge leveller this is one of the reasons why we had Robert Owen and Dave Pallet in the semi-finals in Minehead and I get the feeling that possibly we could have a couple of uh, surprises in this tournament in the mid-stages as well as in the opening rounds. Well, look, there are always shocks. It's just trying to pick out where they're going to be. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to break down the match play. We're going to do the first couple of nights for our predictions. And if you go on the Low Six app, uh, you can play for free going up against my picks uh, and win actual cash money as well. That's proper money you can withdraw. It's not just like bonus or credits or anything like that. Um, but you can download the Low Six app from wherever you get your apps. Paul, we're going to get your selections for the first couple of days as well. So I'm going to go through the games and we'll see. Because we've had a look at these guys playing in this venue as well. They've had a look around there. They've played in there. And so some of them are coming back just a few days later. And we're going to start first game up. A man who won his first title at the Summer Series, Ryan Joyce, against a man you represented Australia alongside Simon Whitlock. Because I'll be honest, I know Joyce will get a lot more of the the sort of headlines, if you like, from the Summer Series, picking up his very first title. But there was some good stuff from Whitlock from the stuff I saw. Yeah, me too. I got the privilege of calling the game that he had with Scott Mitchell, and he didn't do a great deal wrong, Simon Whitlock. He missed a couple of bullseye checkouts and one big single number uh, in the key leg. But aside from that, that game was nip and tuck all the way. And... Look at some of the averages that Simon was posting and some of the averages that his opponents were putting against him. Mm. And what really helped me look into where Simon is right now is that he was disappointed to lose, but he was taking everything on the chin. And I think at this point in his career where questions are being asked of his ranking and is he on the slide, I think what he's doing right now is he's turning himself into this sort of granite-type dart player where he's able to take all of these blows and he's ready to shoot forward again. He has got the game to take Ryan Joyce out. And as a result, Ryan Joyce might have the pressure on him in this game in his uh, debut match in the match player. So I think Whitlock will get the result. Uh, you see, I thought it might... I, I was going to go Whitlock because I thought I thought you might go Joyce. I thought anybody... Oh, well, Ryan Joyce just won his first title. Simon Whitlock is in danger of dropping out the top 16. If there's any seeded player who's going, it might be Simon Whitlock. But... I, you know what? Seeing as you've said Whitlock, I'm going to go Ryan Joyce just to be awkward. I'm just going to I'm just try and pick the opposite from you, Nico. That's what I'm going to do. Fair enough. Unless you pick the same player as me in this next one, because second game up, Jermaine Watamena and Christoph Ratajski. And I'm hanging this out there. Christoph Ratajski is doing something big on a TV tournament this year. 
something really, really big, a semi-final, a final, or a winning one. He's that good, I swear. Wasn't as good as I thought he was going to be at the Summer Series, but he was still pretty handy. Do you think he beats Watamina? Yes, I do. Uh, I don't have much doubt about that. We watched a couple of uh, Jermaine's games, and he looked pretty useful. But when you weigh these two guys up right now, you are drastically going towards the Ratajski corner because he's just more threatening on a lot of the schemes of the game. His scoring is improved. Uh, his finishing has always been lethal. And if he gets comfort on that stage, he can do anything he wants. And he has taken out all of the big guns, um, apart from, say, Peter Wright, who's a bit of a bogeyman for him. Yeah, but, he is, uh, Against Watamina, he has to be a heavy favourite, and I think he does win. Okay, uh, James Wade, very impressive at the Summer Series against Keegan Brown, who can never be underestimated and has pulled off a shock or two in his time. Yeah, uh, Keegan has beaten James Wade on the World Championship stage as well. Yeah, great the, game, wasn't it? The atmospheres are different. Yeah. Um, and Keegan has obviously been busy with other duties throughout the last three to four months. Uh, will he be as sharp as James? Well, the Summer Series tells us no. I'd love Keegan to test him early to just to try and dust him up a little bit but i just get the feeling that wade might be a bit too efficient and too confident uh and in his interview with you after his win i think he's keen to get back to work yeah it does seem like that so you're going wadey are you i am you know what ah why not let's go keegs i don't care i always get things wrong anyway if i'm going to be wrong i may as well be in a long odds loser uh, mvg dolan i think i'm going to struggle to back brendan here because i, I he did look rusty. He's one of the top boys who's been winning titles over the last year who didn't do anything to make me sit up and pay attention at the Summer Series. Yeah, I, th I think it's a shame that the, the season was almost postponed um, for four months because Brendan was just in great shape, in my opinion. I think he was ready to keep winning. And throughout his career, when he has won, he's won in uh, you know big chunks. And... Right now, this is the worst possible draw uh, for Brendan Dolan. In my opinion, he's playing against someone who is not his pace and someone who is playing very well. And Michael Van Gerwen is defending nothing in this tournament. So he's ready to elongate his uh, number one ranking. And what better way to do that in a tournament where you're defending zip? So I think Brendan Dolan could be on the end of a bit of a hiding here, unfortunately. Yeah, even in my hipster ways, I'm struggling to see past an MVG win there. How about Gary Anderson, Justin Pipe? They they were like roommates and travel buddies and stuff for ages and ages and ages. The problem we've got, though, is that Justin has an arm problem. It looks like they were worried about it being tendonitis. I've not seen any updates yet, but you know all about that, Paul, and you were concerned when you heard about it, weren't you? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I've had tendonitis in my right wrist uh, off and on for the last few seasons. And when you go and see an expert about tendonitis, the first thing they say to you is rest it for four to six weeks. And your eyes just open and you think, not through a dart for four to six weeks. Are you kidding me? But mm. when you go further up the arm, oh, it gets even worse. I mean, the elbow is probably the worst place to get it when it comes to throwing darts, because that is going to move all the time. You can throw darts without flexing the wrist. You can just open the fingers out, but the elbow has to move. And with Justin Pipe and that throw, that elbow is going to be flexing all day long. This is a worrying sign for Justin and his future. I really hope he can get it fixed. Um, if it is tendonitis, I'm hoping it's it's not anything as bad as that. But when you put up against Gary Anderson in 100% in mood, well... 
this is this is a dangerous dangerous proposition and you have to back Derry. Yeah, I think so, I'm afraid. Sunday, then, we've got five games. We'll go through these quick fire. Mensor Sulevic versus Jamie Hughes. Jamie, a Euro Tour winner, but Mensor, he was chucking some decent stuff at the Summer Series. Yeah, look, looked really good for me, uh, Sulevic. Maybe peaking at the right time. And he is one person who likes to get a bit of rest away from the game. So I think Jamie Hughes has got his hands full here. And I think Sulevic, uh, who was defending a lot of ranking money here, will want to do so. Yeah, of course, made the final a couple of years ago, lost out to Gary Anderson. I'm going to go Mensor as well. Uh, Jeffrey Desvan, another man who's had problems. Uh, he had a shoulder surgery during lockdown and only threw a dart about a week before the start of the summer series. Doesn't come much tougher for him. Glenn Durrance in round one. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Glenn here. I, I probably would have anyway if Jeffrey was 100% because the way that Glenn was playing at the summer series, he looked focused, he looked trim, he looked energetic. And I think he's going to have a big say in this tournament. So Jeffrey Desvon for me is uh, not going to be able to defend all of that ranking money from two years ago when he made the semis. Okay, doke right. Mentor, Sullivan, and Glenn Durant, you've gone for. I've gone for those as well. Let's disagree on this one. Who do you want out of Rob Cross and Gabriel Clemens? Because I can be persuaded either way in this, you know. <laughs> well, Rob Cross for me looked uh, very good in most games that he played at the weekend. And he's obviously done enough work, but... Rob Cross for me needs more repetitions. I think he's going to have to work hard this week. And this is the kind of game that will make him work hard. So not that I'm going for all of the seeds, but I just get the feeling that Rob Cross might be a little too sharp at certain points. Clemens can definitely win this game, but it does depend on what he does. I think if Clemens just comes off the boil a little bit, Cross will be ready to take him out and I'm going to go for voltage. I have been impressed with Rob Cross and obviously through the nine darts at the summer series, but I said I'd disagree with you just because it's boring to listen to people say, oh, I think you're thinking exactly the right thing too. Gabriel Clemens for me. There we go. I'm going to disagree with you on this one as well. I don't care what you say. Peter Wright <laughs> versus Jose de Salsa. Who wins it, Nico? Well, Wright is going to win it for me, but this, Wrong. Is, the kind, this Wrong. is the kind of game that really makes him uh, get his juices flowing. I spoke to him on Sunday night after the draw and I said, sorry about that draw, Peter. And he said, oh, no, thank you for this draw because this is going to make me work even harder. And I thought, oh, that's what I wanted to hear. I think he will work very hard this week and be very sharp for De Souza. But this is one slippery banana skin because <laughs> De Souza, like you know, Dan, is just brilliant. Oh, absolutely stunning. Some of the stuff he was throwing all the way through the summer series. Some of the stuff he's thrown ever since he joined the tour. It's been absolutely incredible. Uh, just to be contrary, I'm going to go Jose de Souza to knock out uh, the world champion. And uh, he's, he's very close in in the betting, I would imagine, with Michael Van Gogh and his favourite for this title. Uh, Michael Smith, guest on the podcast uh, last week. Uh, look, he's made the final last year. He's got all the talent in the world. He's also got Johnny the Ferret Clayton and that's a very tricky first round draw because the ferret looks pretty sharp. Yes, he does. He looked great in the home tour and I watched some of his games during the summer series uh, from a distance and very close up as well. And I was just trying to survey his form and I think Johnny Clayton is uh, ready to do something special, a bit like when he made the Players' Championship final again. I think this is a nightmare game for Michael Smith because his game is very up and down at the moment. We saw at the weekend he takes out Peter Wright, then he loses to Wadey, of course, because Wadey always beats Michael Smith for some <laughs> reason. But I think in this game with uh, less crowd, someone who always plays well on stage two at Minehead, which yeah. this will be more like, I think Johnny Clayton might win this one. 
Okay, I'm going to disagree with you, Paul, because it brings me joy. I'll say the bully boy gets through that one. Uh, right, okay, so there we go. You're going Sulevich, Durant, uh, Cross, Wright, and Clayton. So they, at least you're not going all the seeds on that Sunday night. So fair play. That that would have been incredibly dull of you. Um, right, you can play as well yourself at home. A £5 entry tournament, you win 200 quid on the Low Six app. Uh, but of course, you can go up against my picks, and Paul Nicholson's made this incredibly hard by forcing me to pick some unseeded players en masse. Uh, but that's free to play, and you can win actual cash money. The match play is on the way. I'm going to be back next week with someone alongside me. I might even do a couple of extra bits during the match play, so keep your eyes peeled for more and follow Good Darts Pod on Twitter uh, for when the new bits are on the way. Thank you very much, Paul, for stepping in last minute. What are your plans? Over are you going to be watching the match play on the telly? Are you doing any bits around it? I am going to be watching all of it. I, I can't <laughs> wait to just get my feet up. I've been working very hard, obviously, with the Summer Series and the uh, the Modus Live League uh, over the last four months. I'm, I'm doing a lot of commentary at the moment, and I'm working on a few little bits and bobs as well. But uh, predominantly, what I want to do is... Uh, you know, look after my shoulder, my wrist, and get those looked at next week, as well as watching all of the match play stuff, which will be fascinating and great for the audience to have back. Yeah, cannot wait. Well, look, the match play is on the way. Download the Low Six app from wherever you get your apps. You must be at least 18 years of age and resident in the UK. Terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. And if you're a friend of problems with gambling, please seek help immediately and visit begambleaware.com. <laughs> I love that you got cucumber in there.